handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. to another episode of the Righteous Brick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is October 31st, Halloween. Ooh, shut up. In the year of our Lord, 2022, it's 1044 in the a.m. East Coast time. Uh, work is uh, non-existent today. I'm technically getting paid, but our assignment uh, ended Friday, and our next uh, group of documents to review won't be here till later today or tomorrow or maybe even later in the week. But it's a, a power-packed week for me, guys. Tomorrow night, taking the Righteous Girlfriend to a Ranger game. We kept saying we wanted to see a hockey. We wanted to go to a hockey game. I say that every, like, Olympics and playoffs. I'm like, hockey really is awesome. And then the Rangers made a deep run last year. And I was like, okay. And they made me some money on FanDuel. So I was like, yeah, it's, we're definitely we're going to a Ranger game this year. So I bought tickets. They're playing the Philadelphia Flyers, who from the ticket prices, I gather, may not be as good a team because... Every other team I wanted to buy for was through the roof. These were merely to the roof, but not through the roof in terms of pricing. Hockey tickets very expensive. So we're going to a hockey game tomorrow. That should be fun. Um, I last was at a hockey game with my uncle, and I want to say like 20... Hmm, I was still living in Manhattan, so it was either 2018 or 2017. I went to see the Devils versus the Rangers uh, at MSG. And then I was at a game... I've been to a couple of hockey games recently. I always enjoy it. And I always enjoy watching hockey, and I love hockey video games. And then I'm just like, nah, I'm good. This is why I condemn the NHL um, with with their with their sort of branding because the NHL seems very content to just be like a insular community of fans, which usually, you know, there's something to be said for not being obsessed with growth in this culture and economy. But hockey seems to have been happy to like regress in their, um, <laughs> you know to shrink their fan base because I remember as a kid one of the keys was when hockey basically didn't uh, stay with ESPN they thought they could make a slick deal and go to versus which was then became the spike channel I believe which then became paramount the paramount channel which is now 
some other bullshit, I think. Or maybe it is the Paramount channel. Uh, but I was so much more familiar with hockey growing up, and I didn't even really watch it. Obviously, it helped that my uncle was a big fan of the Rangers, won the Stanley Cup when I was 15 after a 54-year drought. But I could have named you like 25 hockey players just because I enjoyed the video games, and if I was flipping around TV... You, you might you might find a hockey game on one of the main channels. When it went to Versus, it was just like, uh, I don't even know if I have that channel. I don't know where it is. It's not in my rotation. So leaving ESPN was a huge mistake. But then, you know, they don't, they don't seem to be doing tons of mass marketing. Now, it helped when you had like Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, these iconic players. But there's Alex Ovechkin is uh, as iconic and a big a superstar as the sports produced since Lemieux and Gretzky. He doesn't have nearly the same media presence and, and whatnot. Um, and there's lots of star names that I kind of hear in passing. But to me, it's like Sidney Crosby, I think, is about to retire. And he's like, other than Ovechkin and I think, what's his name, Connor McDavid? Um, I really haven't heard many like superstar names, even though I'm sure to a hockey fan, it's like, oh, I know all the players. But yeah, that's my point, is that hockey is a cool sport. It's hockey playoffs are great. Hockey Olympics are great. Hockey video games are great. So it's almost like you need to be not doing your due diligence as a league and as a promotion. If people like me who could be on the cusp of like, you know what? And I, I intentionally bought Ranger tickets because I was like, I think the Jazz is going to be terrible this year. We'll get to that in a second. What a what a blessing and surprise they've been so far. But and we might even have an uncut gems update. But um, it's just weird that like. You know, the video games don't get hyped as much. The the athletes don't appear in as many endorsements. And, I, and obviously, if I'm watching a hockey game, I'm sure I'd see ads for different products involving hockey players or hockey games. But that's the point, is that you're just feeding it to the people who are already fans. I felt like when I was a kid, you know, I knew all these people because it was like, you know, a strong and robust league that was constantly looking to sort of grow and reach new fans. And now it just feels like some sort of like they're content to be some sort of high priced niche fan, fan you know, sport um, relatively. Obviously, it's it's there's millions of fans, but like a niche sport relative to like NBA, baseball, basketball and even God help us soccer. Um, but I'm excited to go to the game because it's going to be good. Like it's always it's always fun being I got of course of course of course I got good seats you fucking kidding me though I don't ever understand the appeal of sitting like front row at a hockey game I feel like you, you want to be kind of like ours are like you know front of front of second deck like on a good angle so you have the whole ice but you're not too far that you're like I'm just happy to be in the general presence of hockey so that's Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night, right after work, it's out to Morristown, New Jersey, to the Mayo Performing Arts Center, where I actually performed there a couple of months ago, not to brag, but that was fun and a good payday. It's nice to always get one of those five times a year in terms of your comedy career, but I'm going to see the one and only Richard Marks. Richard Marks, everybody, uh, at the Mayo Performing Arts Center, um, which will be fun, uh, and uh, it was funny at the hotel, uh, by the way, blog is now up road cap road recap from, from Princeton is now up on the website. Um, and it includes a, I'm going to put a link to the blog and to, um, my Baron Trump stand up bit, um, which I hope you will all read and then watch and then share. 
but at least do the first two, but sharing means caring. And um, so I'm sitting in the hotel bar after the second show on Saturday, and I didn't include this in the blog. This is a podcast exclusive. Wow. I'm sitting in the bar, and I'm like, what is that song? And then I was like, hey, that's Richard Marks, one of Richard Marks' new singles off his new album. And I was like, look at me. Look at me knowing the art. And then I stood up like Alfred Molina in Boogie Nights and yelled, Richard Marks, buddy of mine. And I then sent that joke to Richard Marks and he laughed. But uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. It's a big, big week, big week. You know, you're, you guys are getting podcast content today. Keen, keen. Tomorrow it's hockey. It's Wednesday it's Richard Marks. And then this weekend I'm going to see Till and Tar, which sounds like a Mumford and Sons spinoff. Um, <laughs> he's a lynched teenager and she's a despotic conductor together they make sweet music in the tour of the year till and tar that was my equivalent of playing like a fast banjo in mumford and sons have a couple of mumford and sons albums but it's you know, it is hard. I, I, I will still listen to those, but it's always hard when you find out like one of the Mumfords or one of the Sons is like hardcore MAGA. You're like, oh, all right. Oh. Now your super white music feels like not an artistic choice, but a cultural one, sir. Um, but the uh, it's a big week. So you'll get, you'll, you'll, you know, there'll be a bonus episode um, probably Thursday night or Friday. For the Patreon folks, hey, check it out, guys, blah, 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 patreon.com slash jlcovan. It's really good. I know you like my impressions and my comedy, and it has so much of that stuff. It's literally chock full, and I don't even know if I've turned a profit on it because I've invested in it and tried to make it really good, so blah, 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 blah. Anyway, guys, um, there'll be a bonus episode later this week where I can talk about the Ranger game and Richard Marks. And possibly Till and or Tar, if I've seen either of those or both by the time I put up the bonus episode. But, um, okay, did Patreon promotion, did uh, talk about the Ranger game and Richard Marks. Okay, uh, before I get to, I'm going to review the Terrifier film series. Now, we'll come with disclaimers later. But uh, gotta got to get to gigs first, right guys? Or diveshes, if you're a very attentive listener who's been listening for months or even a year or plus to this podcast, but gigs coming up. Um, Ann Arbor, well, Friday I'm at Beauty Bar. This Friday I'm at Beauty Bar, so if you're a cheap piece of shit that lives in New York City, you can see me do like 12 minutes of material. Um, I'm clicking right now. I'm not not shitting you. I'm going to tell you something, you know, the JL jinx, we all are aware of it, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Uh, I'm very close to booking uh a show for march or at latest april to do a new hour i know it seems like just yesterday i recorded a special twice but that was actually a year ago we're we're past a year now from the first recording date and we're we're rapidly approaching six months from the second makeup recording date so that that um really just abomination of a process hasn't stopped me from being vengeful rageful and creative and I would estimate now I'm at like 40 minutes of real ready for prime time new material. Um, the show, the shows were really good in Princeton, especially the second one. The first show, there were only like 16, 17 audience members. Uh, but still, everybody had a good time. And then the, the Saturday show was, was a fucking master class. 
Um, and I just, it's, it's clicking. Like there's a, I got a lot of new material. Um, not too much of it. The reason I posted the Baron Trump bit is because I feel like that may not survive. It might, it might make it to like a special taping, but obviously I'm trying for, I'm not intentionally trying, but obviously a special, um, would be slightly more evergreen material. Although, as you can imagine, in March or April of 2023, when I record, and my I'm going to call it the Hateful Eighth, because it'll be my eighth stand-up hour, and technically my tenth album, if you count the fires, the two Fireside Craps albums. That's a, you know, it's when I'm not being super bitter and and stressed and and jaded. You know, I have I have put a a real a real catalog of of good work out there. Um, and sometimes comics will mock me because it's easier to mock than to do it. Um, you know, like, and it's like, there's comics who put out a bunch of shit. I don't put out shit, plain and simple. There's a lot of comics who are voluminous and repetitive. You know, they, they run over the same, they, they run the same ground every, every two years. Uh, I, I really try not to, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I'm clicking right now and, uh, you know, that would obviously be a self-produced album and or special. And it would be kind of funny to be like, wow, JL's so productive. He released a special in February and then released one in May. And it's like, well, no, the one in the one in February should have been released a year ago. So that's it will just be my effort to shame the people that I've worked with who've who've really over the last year, um, you know, really 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 damaged uh, a, a potential great opportunity for me no guarantees but that you know we, we i don't have to repeat what my plan was but i had a strategy something i usually didn't do in my comedy career but i feel i felt like you know i gotta really put put forth a plan i can't just be like i'm good and i'm doing all right right now i really had to and i, I had a strategy a, a, a potential media strategy to promote the special in conjunction with billions and, and obviously that all fell apart um, through unfortunately no fault of mine except in choosing to work with people that weren't me. Um, but this next one will be a point of pride to just, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to rip my own fucking thing like I've always done. And hopefully I still have a few fans who are interested and, uh, that'll be fun. And then I can get to writing my book or some scripts and fail at different aspects of the art artistic world. Um, so Terrifier movies, and what else did I want to talk about? Um, it, I'm in a conflicted space with Elon Musk because I think he seems like a, a weird, creepy, you know, narcissistic kind of fucking strange dude. Um, but at the same time, if he fucking alters these shadow bands that have really, you know, if I were spouting... If I were spouting misinformation or propaganda, I would, you know, you know, I, I, I agree. It would be right to fucking shut me down. But I'm, I'm a comedian who posts lots of comedy stuff who's never gotten a warning from Twitter in his life about content or themes or violating community guidelines, etc. Never. They just I got scooped up in some sort of algorithm that suppressed my material. And it just so happened to very coincidentally coincide with the departure of Trump from Twitter and a change that affected a lot of right-wing accounts. Now, as Rod the Black Eye Tips said so eloquently several uh, months ago regarding this, he says, I feel bad for JL, but if, if JL is collateral damage, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if JL is collateral damage to getting all this like 
filth off of Twitter. Uh, sorry, JL. And I agree. Like, in my heart, I agree, of course. I would prefer it not to come to that. I would prefer it to be like, well, I'm a comedian doing comedy that doesn't violate any guidelines. So it'd be nice if my fans who've chosen to follow me could see my material and then by seeing it would help my material grow as they share like they did for over a year. Um, but, you know, it's weird to be like, I hope Elon Musk helps me because it's like eh, he's probably going to ruin the site in many ways. Maybe he'll do some things that are that are good from a business standpoint. I don't know. But, you know, I haven't been able to get the traction on other social media sites because you only get moments like I had a huge moment on Twitter and it exploded on Twitter. I wouldn't even be on Facebook if if not for the shadow ban. I just I thought, ha ha ha. I have a special coming out and I need to reach as many people as possible, at least for this singular important moment in my career. I can't afford to not be, um, you know, in the mix, so to speak. Um, so, right, that's that. Um, I don't know if anybody out there is a Cleveland fan, but I'm uh, gigs, gigs. I'm sorry. I want to talk about gigs and I got sidetracked as I always do with negativity. Um, gigs, uh, Ann Arbor. Uh, so I have beauty bar on Friday, this Friday, I think the show's like eight 30. Um, it might be eight, uh, check my calendar on my website, but that's a nice free show. Usually the lineups are pretty good. It's a free show in a bar. I think you just have to buy a drink at the bar, but it's usually a good show that Josh Carter puts on. And then, uh, all my Michigan fans, November 11th and 12th, I am at the Ann Arbor comedy showcase. After that, Syracuse Funny Bone, November 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving. So if you're an upstate New Yorker and, uh, you know, you're in that sort of like, hey, we're all home, like we're meeting up with friends. Why don't we meet up for some A-plus comedy at the Syracuse Funny Bone? And then we can go to whatever pub is located in there and have our impromptu reunion before we go murder our families tomorrow during a contentious turkey dinner. And after that... Uh, I think the only gig I have in December right now is uh, celebrating the birth of the Lord on Christmas Day. Uh, no, I'm at a theater in Mamaroneck. So, I, you know, once again, it's such a mishmash. I know I'm, I'm preaching to like a thousand people and, you know, I'd like to be reaching a hundred thousand people. So I know I have plenty of fans north of the city. I have friends north of the city. So I'm hoping they see this either in the newsletter or on social media, but I'm doing a theater with Al Lubell, very funny, very funny comedian, um, on December 17th at a theater in Mamaroneck, New York, which is close to Metro North. It's walkable from the Metro North station, and uh, that is Saturday, December 17th, I believe. Then in January, added a couple gigs, which is nice. Um, January 6th and 7th, I'm in Belmore, Long Island at the brokerage. I've been there before. I had a nice crowd the last time I was there. So that's a Friday and a Saturday in January. Hopefully it's not bad weather. And then January 19th, I return to the Pittsburgh Improv. So yay to my Pittsburgh people. And uh, I'm hoping to line up some some Cleveland shows right after that because it's only a three-hour bus ride from from pittsburgh to cleveland so i'd like to even if i have to do like an independent venue on that friday and or saturday i'd love to just do a show for all my north you know northeast ohio people which i you know unfortunately i got a lot of requests in 2020 from people diehard people who were like when are you coming to cleveland when are you come i was like i fucking love cleveland anybody who's known me to be who's been a fan of mine for a long time knows i love cleveland it sounds weird but i really do 
and I haven't been booked in Cleveland since 2016 or 2017. You know, one club in Cleveland never returned, has never returned one email of mine in a decade. And the other one I worked at a lot and then the manager left and retired and they've just never booked me again after, after he had booked me like nine times. Um, so it's frustrating. So if I have to do an indie venue, like 80 seater or something, I, I gladly do it. Cause you know, just a, just a swing through, if I'm taking the vacation time to do one gig in Pittsburgh, I'd, I'd love to do like a Friday, Saturday gig in, in, in Ohio and at least just, you know, pay for the trip and meet some fans and do some, some good shows, especially if I'm trying to prep and plan for a, for a potential March or April taping. Um, everything else, uh, not a ton of response from the clubs that I've worked before that I'm trying to work. So I'll keep you posted, but those are the gigs so far. So I hope if you're anywhere near those, you've marked the, your calendar. All ticket links are available on my website, except for Pittsburgh. I believe that ticket link will go up. Uh, I think they told me, I forget. I think he may have said November 10th, the ticket link goes live. Um, I'll double check that, but, but in other words, sometime this month, there'll be a, a ticket link for Pittsburgh as well. Okay. Now we got business out of the way. Um, today I'm going to vote early. I'm going to go vote for Mikey Sherrill and every other Democrat on the uh, list. Um, that's the blog I have to write next weekend. But the 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 uh, you know it's 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 very unfortunate where we're at as a country. Obviously Nancy Pelosi's husband was attacked, um, uh, and. We'll talk about that, I guess, in a humorous way on Making Podcasts Great Again, uh, assuming that both of us are aware of the news. And I, uh, I just think at this point, it's 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 really it's really embarrassing for this country um, how many things we're able to put ahead of morality, decency, democracy, like like. The Times had an article about gas prices uh, last week, basically just being like, yeah, it's what you suspect. Like the nation's mood swings with gas prices. I mean, gas really is the, 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 the oxy and the crack of the average American because we've created a society where you can live wherever you want to live and you can, you're entitled no matter what the ecological or economic consequences are, you are entitled to live your life. As I said last week, I believe, you know, it's no longer liberty or freedom is not what re what people really mean now. They really mean selfishness. And uh, as we approach these elections, you know, you got Anthony Scaramucci, who's who's, you know, been on videos with me and on podcasts with me, and he's pushing Lee Zeldin. And I'm just going to a Trump denier because why? Because the media has ginned up this sort of fear of crime in big cities. And it's always crime in big cities because that's where black and Latino people live in addition to white people. But that's where you're going to find more black. and Latino. So it's easy. You vilify you vilify the places where people of color uh, are, are more known to live in larger numbers. So you create fear in people who already have basically fl done white flight to begin with. And this isn't to say that there aren't real concerns and genuine concerns among uh, New Yorkers and people who live in Chicago and live in those cities and, and, and are concerned. But the media narrative, the same media that the right wing will con constantly condemn for fake news, 
it's clickbait. Like we are, you know, every news is all news is now the the like local nighttime news where it's like crime, 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 commercial crime, feel good story, sports, weather, crime, buy, and crime is up. But people, especially like a Scaramucci, who who seem, you know. There, I think there's a lot of Republicans who are, as, as as I think people will say, Randolph Terrence says this, comedian Randolph Terrence, like they they're they're go they're waiting to go home, like it's like once you get rid of Trump, it's like yep, now I just want to go back to the Republican themes and the Republican lifestyle. Like I acknowledge the danger that Trump presented, but I'm not acknowledging the danger Trumpism represents, and I'm willing to get sort I'm willing to make you know for this sort of fuck me fucking christ hey guys that's just me reacting honestly to my phone ringing um (laughs) but uh and it's never somebody it's 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 like one out of every 10 calls is my mom and nine out of 10 are spam so this is a spam call cool um good good phone commentary on this week's episode jail i really like it when you do that um but you know this idea of like new york's on the edge it's not. It's it's a little worse. We we are coming out of a pandemic, and we have bad inflation, and Lee Zeldin's not going to fix that. He might make you feel good because he's an aggressive, conservative white guy, and we sort of believe that those people are like the the vanguard of like defending safety. But even when you look at Giuliani and Dinkins, Dinkins never got any credit, even though I believe Dinkins like. Increase, you know, got or increased funding for like more cops recognizing the issue, and Dinkins just happened to be there when crack was at its apex. David Dinkins wasn't handing out crack in New York City; he didn't make crack become a thing. And then really, Giuliani goes in, and people were upset. And people in this country—it's only increased the short-term thinking and the self-centered nature. But people have always been like that, where they're going. We need somebody new, and Rudy Giuliani is tough. He's tough on crime. He's an aggressive white guy, so I just feel like an aggressive white guy is going to care more about crime and be harsher and not worry about niceties more. And so, like as crack wanes and as you know, funding that Dinkins got gets implemented, Rudy Giuliani rides this wave of like he's the one who cleaned up the city, and we've had this narrative where it's like. Yeah, that's who cares about crime. The other people are too soft. They're either part of the community or they're too woke to do the tough things. And it's 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 this it's the same way Republicans talk tough on crime and they talk big on patriotism and they talk big on entrepreneurship. But for every Republican talking that shit, there's somebody getting a tax break for the wealthy. Um, or who, you know, is riding the coattails of some what some Democrat did, or is just generally full of shit, or only patriotic when it's a weapon against Colin Kaepernick or Ilhan Omar, but actually does things to denigrate law enforcement and the troops when it's when it's when it benefits them politically or when they are offended. I mean, Trump is obviously a great example of that, but there's more than that. And it's just seeing these guys go, oh, we have to have Lee Zeldin. Like Lee Zeldin, if, if New York State goes for Lee Zeldin, I, I, I get so tired of like, what do Democrats have to do? What do they have to do? They have to they have to find a different country. That's what, like because this country is structurally built to enshrine this sort of protections for minority rule that were that are important, 
but have been sort of bastardized and manipulated by like, you know, now nine people in Wyoming get two senators and uh, 40 million people in California get two senators. It was never an envision. The founders never envisioned that kind of a drastic disparity. And I, I can't remember who was saying this to me, but that might have been Pete Dominic, but that the Constitution is pretty much like impossible to amend now. Or it might have been Michael Cohen's substack that I was reading. I forget. It, it, I think it was someone within the Pete Dominic u cinematic universe. But you can't amend the Constitution. Like, it's, it's now impossible. Because there's, there's, there's nothing in this country that could get a 75% consensus. Um, so... Or what you know, three core. The process would be too onerous. It's it's like not possible, um, which is which is I think not what the con the Constitution has an amendment process that was made for a different time because they believe that from time to time there need to be changes. Well, the fact is it cannot be changed anymore, practically speaking. Of course, it theoretically can be changed, but practically speaking, it, it will never be amended again, and that's that's fucking crazy, and. We have a country where it's like Republicans and scared white people now and, and short-term thinkers have a kind of institutional, are locked in institutionally to not have to change. Because if their goal is just to not make change for the betterment of the majority of people, they'll do that. And they can strike fear and there's social media and, and, and things that, that kind of augment negative news and shock so that... You know, I hate to keep bringing up 1990 New York. You son of a fucking bitch. Who, I don't know you. This is Daniel K. Danny K. Is Danny K calling me? The late, great Hollywood uh, song and dance man? Danny K, everybody. Walter Mitty, online one. That was for my older listeners who know who the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but that really broke a good train of thought for me. Um, shit. Uh, I don't know. You got a Danny K reference out of it, I guess. But, um, no. Oh, yeah. 1990. It's it's always an easy thing to bring up in New York, but there were 2,250 murders in New York City in 1990. There's going to be, I think, like 500 something this year, which is an uptick. And that's not good. Of course. Of course. But this apocalyptic vision that people have, like, oh, my God, my gas is $3.90 and there's... Uh, some extra crime in a city following a record low in crime and following a pandemic. Oh my God, we need change immediately. We need some, we need, Re Republicans want a white genie, basically, and anything short of that. And, and not just, not just Republicans, independents and fair weather Democrats, they want a white genie. That like, you rub the lamp, he comes out and he eliminates crime and he lowers gas prices and he makes you feel safe and he makes uh, uh, he makes people stop talking about race and, and inequality and, and racism. And it just goes back to where you can just watch streaming programs and take cheap vacations and not worry about what your car and gas are doing to the environment. They just rub the lamp. The white genie comes out, makes all your white wishes come true. And then um, that's it. And the stock market never slows down. It's just you get Bernie Madoff returns. You just get Bernie Ray Madoff returns. And anybody, if the stock market dips or goes through a recession or goes through waves, uh, because not just because of Sleepy Joe, but also because of a fucking war in Ukraine affecting energy supplies, 
And because there was a pandemic and because gas companies are fucking greedy and somehow escape blame, uh, we, 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 we say we got to change. Because uh, I'm not interested in context. I'm not interested in patience. I'm not interested in the betterment or welfare of my fellow man. I'm interested in me. And right now, me is benefiting not at all or too slowly. So I'm going to rub my magic lamp. And, you know, the white genies are always Republicans. And that's what I want right now. And I'll ignore the fact that if things turn around... I will give all the credit to the white genie, even if there's blatant evidence that perhaps things that the the big, bad, slow-moving tortoise Democrats fuck were, like actually made happen. No, we don't want to. We don't want to do this. So it's very, it's very frustrating, and it's made me very hope hopeless for the country. Because the truth is, a decent and sane country would just say, we need to elect Democrats. The Republican Party needs to adjust itself to get rid of the crazies, to become a party of sensible, you know, uh, they, if you, <laughs> democracy, climate change, I, as much as it might upset people, I, I don't think Republican politicians have much integrity, but I, I, I think people can, ha can differ deeply on, on, on abortion. Um, so I'm, I include that for pro-choice independents, Democrats, and Republicans as a central issue. But I think there can be people of genuine good faith and genuine integrity who, who differ on that issue. But on democracy, we're in America, like on the future of the planet. Um, shouldn't everyone be pro-planet Earth and pro-American democracy in America? Apparently not. Apparently that's a 50, those are 50-50 issues. And so instead of having, you know, a Senate of 65 Democrats and a House of 310 Democrats that can get things done in a big way, that the big things that are needed, forget the wish list items, the big things that are needed, which is protecting elections and the right to vote and protecting the earth and making sure that we, we lead from a business, a moral and an ecological standpoint um, the future of the planet. And we don't, we don't do those things. And, and we apparently think that the price of gas and, you know, I live in, I live in a small town in Ohio and I'm concerned about the Mexican border and blacks on the New York city subway. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you're so concerned about places that you, you would never go to, can't afford and don't like. So I'm glad that you are so concerned about those things. And I'm sure race has nothing to do with it, sir. I'm sure it's just you're a patriot concerned about safety. Um, but you're a fucking idiot. And unfortunately, um, fucking idiots have uh, hateful and hateful people and fucking idiots have, have a disproportionate amount of power because they can be very motivated, whereas cynical heroes um, will will stand, you know, will will say, oh, no, I'm not for either. Oh, OK, good. You just like to complain about everybody, even though you know like one side is like 80% aligned with you, but you'll you'll let both drown to prove some sort of bullshit point. Anyway, it's a I, I I have no hope in this in this country anymore because I think we're I think it's it's like in a spiral of social media, low attention, span, low information, um, electoral college you know, bastardization of, of representative democracy in this country, they're all just spiraling further and further down. 
so I don't it's like we don't have the willpower the attention the intelligence or or the spirit or the goodness to like collectively reverse that so you know uh, I, 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 I genuinely believe that um, you know it's the beginning of the end uh, for this country I don't mean like its existence but just it's it's uh it's just not good and and there's no mechanism in place and not enough people to 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 right the ship um and it's it's very bizarre um i've always had a fairly low opinion of people but this it's like it's bizarre to 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 see how you know the people can't handle the internet and nuance and like all sorts of things that we've made so central to our lives um it's 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 a disgrace and 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 I, to be honest republicans man they fucking deserve a trump marjorie taylor green presidency the republicans deserve that shit every if if we could if if that magic white genie that they want could show up I'd be like, okay, let's make two countries. Let's just do it. And we, we compare the difference. And within 10 years, the Republican country would be a fucking hellhole. I'm sorry. Would there be problems in the Democrat country? Of course. But we already hammer out those problems. That's why they see so much conflict within the Democratic caucus because there's the, the very left and, and the center right the mansions and cinemas, but they're in the tent. So you see all the problems there, and then they manage to accomplish generally solid things if they can, when they get to it. Whereas Republicans, their agenda is still, their agenda is right now lower taxes. Fuck, I'm not, this is, this is their agenda, in my words, but it's the agenda. Lower corporate taxes and taxes on the rich. Um, business industry over the environment without question um, control of women's health and body choices no trans high school athletes and um, that's about it Everything else is Democrats suck, Democrats suck, Democrats suck, Democrats suck. That's the agenda. That, does that seem like a serious or comprehensive agenda to run a country with? Ig ignoring the in climate change? Ignoring inequality? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, like, like, this is not a serious country. This is this is not a country that can that can get things done anymore. Like by the, hanging on by a thread, Joe Biden got a 50-50 Senate for two years and accomplished a fucking boatload of things that benefit people. The major flaw, the major flaw in the Biden was the 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 stimulus or whatever the Rescue Act was too much money. That I think we can all agree on. It was too much. It did accelerate inflation, and there were warnings about it. But so his mistake, his administration's mistake, if I will concede it, is when the country was suffering economically and medically, we provided too generous a safety package. Okay. That feels like one of those mistakes where you're like, um, yeah, I, 
I can forgive that. I can forgive that because I know where we were as a country. I know what your intentions were. You had to decide, do I go big or do I go medium? You chose big. I understand it wasn't the right call. But guess what? You've also passed environmental legislation. Um, you've appointed the first black female Supreme Court justice. You are you are you are filling the lower courts with with center uh, center and left leaning judges. You are qualified judges, unlike somebody else who appointed a bunch of judges a few years ago. You, um, I said infrastructure. Uh, did I say infrastructure? The infrastructure bill, um, executive actions on climate, on on equality and civil rights. There's been a lot done, a lot of big things done. Um, the, the the Inflation Reduction Act, even though that was just a sort of marketing title, um, prescription drug neg negotiations, like lots of things that really benefit a lot of people. So good that Republicans who vote against it then claim credit for it when they're campaigning. And the people in this country are too anti-democratic party or too dumb to be like, yeah, Mike, you're right. Cool. I'll vote for you, even though you didn't want to give me the things you're bragging about. When you get to that point as a country, it's it's. I think it's over. I, like Biden got did the best he could, and he really did a lot with a 50-50 Senate. He might lose that Senate and the House. And then we're done for two years. We're done accomplishing anything that we need as a, as a country. As, as, uh, and, and then who gets blamed in 2024? And I think Mitch McConnell has always made that bet that suicide bombing a Democratic president is a smart political move because the president will get blamed because people love voting for the president. It's like American fucking idol. They don't like going to vote for their representative in the House or the Senate. God forbid, let alone local elections. So the suicide bet, suicide bomb strategy by Mitch McConnell usually works because people will just blame the president. So if, if Congress does nothing and they stifle Biden for two years and talk about Hunter Biden for two years, instead of the American people, the average low information schmuck going, these Republicans are fucking useless scumbags. We got to just get rid of them. They'll go, told you, Joe Biden, he doesn't have fight. And you'll have enough progressive fucking assholes chiming in going, yeah, I told you Biden wasn't the right guy. Biden wasn't the right guy. But right, no context. No context here. Bernie, first of all, if Bernie Sanders had been the fucking nominee, he would have gotten trounced by Trump in the general. So then you'd what would you be doing then? No, you'd be getting Patreon subscribers and Substack subscribers complaining about Donald Trump and the right, um, which is really what you fucking want. You don't want progress. You want money. You want either perfection or money. Uh, progress is not really what a lot of these people want. So bad place as a country. I have very little hope. Unfortunately, I don't want to be that guy who's like, uh, I'm not trying to be like the cynical, cool guy. I care. I do my part. And I just don't think it's enough. Um, and it's a sad place to be. Um, but the more information we get on our phones, the dumber we get. The more things we get flooded with on our phone, the lower our attention span and comprehension get. Um, so yeah, when I see people going Lee Zeldin in New York, I go, God, like such a rush to get back to the Republican party, to be a good Republican and to ignore any kind of real data or context, you know, every story on the subway is going to get reported and it's scary. Some of this shit is really scary, but it's like, 
I think uh, Paul Krugman had a great column last week where he talked about um, in Oklahoma, and I'm sorry, I forget whether it was for governor or whatever, but like I think it was the governor's race that the Republican was was saying like they want to turn us into New York, like New York City is that's what Democrats are. You see all that crime, you see all that, and the Democrats said under your administration we have a higher crime rate than New York, and. Krugman pointed out that, like, you know, the Republican laughed, laughed it off, like, oh, sure. And Krugman said, is that enough for the average Oklahoma voter? Probably. Like, they're not going to look it up. They're just going to go, we ain't New York. That's crazy talk. And it's like, no, you fucking meth, trash, murdering motherfuckers. You're worse than New York. We just have more people. People care what's going on in New York. People care what's going on in New York because it's a cultural and artistic and population center. And Republicans care what's going on in New York because they can make uh, Democrats look bad by highlighting the five or eight crime stories that come out of New York. But nobody gives a fuck what's going on in Oklahoma. That's why there's 15 fucking people there. Because nobody gives a fucking shit. So when y'all is murdering each other and doing meth, guess what? Nobody is reporting it because nobody gives a fuck outside of Oklahoma. And you sit home while your neighbors are ODing and getting murdered at a higher rate than New York. You sit home and watch OAN and Newsmax and Fox and go, these Democrats days bad. What happened to Cousin Timmy? Oh, he got a shotgun blast to the fucking mouth during a meth deal. Oh, well, at least he's not in New York where he would get stabbed on a subway Thank God. When's Timmy's funeral? Oh, it's tomorrow's. We can't afford anything big because we lost all our jobs during the Trump administration. But I blame Sleepy Joe. I blame Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe's a problem. We don't live in New York. Very good. Oh, no. What? I'm getting another phone call. What happened? Oh, your sister was just murdered. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Was she visiting New York? No, she was in Oklahoma. She was in Oklahoma. Great Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. It's a great state. Half my family's dead. I'm on meth. I got no job. I'm getting these government benefits that I hope the blacks aren't getting in Chicago and Washington, D.C. and New York City. Or should I say New York City? But I guess they get offended by that. They're trying to cancel Kanye, who I did not like until a few weeks ago. And I bought one of his White Lives Matter shirts, and I think it's a disgrace that they's canceling him. So anyway, we love Oklahoma. What's that? Somebody at my door? Yeah, we's getting robbed. We's getting robbed. What happened? Are we in New York City? No, we're in Oklahoma State. But, oh, well, I love Oklahoma. Whoa. Is you there? Where is you? Hey, you was on the floor. You just got shot by a robber. What happened? What happened, Jethro? Uh, I got shot. You got shot? What, did you move to New York City? No, you dumb motherfucker. We still in your house. Your, well, your trailer, your double wide in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, that's right. I sometimes forget. Well, good luck. Uh, I'll call an ambulance. Although they just closed down our local hospital because they was doing abortions. They was doing devil's works with abortions, and they shut us down. They shut our shit down. So now I got to see, oh, you're already dead. You wasn't going to make it to the local hospital anyway, even if it was open. But they was doing abortions, so we shut it down. Anywho, I'm just talking to myself right now because I'm a crazy person who lives in Oklahoma. But at least I don't live in New York City. Guys, that might have been the best thing I've ever done on this podcast. That was my new one-man show. I might have to clip that audio and turn that into a fucking video. That was good stuff. Anywho, let's talk about Terrifier. We're on the subject of terrifying things. So, there is a movie a few years ago. This is your review of the week. More cultural talk. 
Um, there was a movie called Terrifier that came out. It says 2016. I think I saw it in 20, I want to say 2018 when it was on Netflix. Might have seen it in 2017, but I think it was 2018. But a, a friend of mine, Matt McAllister, who had been in a few of my sketches, uh, two or th- at least two, maybe three or four of my sketches uh, throughout the years, um, I'd seen him posting about it. And I was like, whoa, that looks, I'm not into like slash. This is like one of those cult kind of horror movies, you know, not like a, where the blood is like excessive. You know, there used to be a magazine that I never purchased, but you'd see it on magazine stands in, in stores called Fangoria, which was, I think, like for like, uh, like just a magazine for hardcore horror movie fans. But it wasn't just Jason and Chucky and Freddy. These are like, hey, this opened in two theaters and was only available on VHS in two states. But in it, like he pales away, like the blood and the gore. And it was like, it's like, um, you know, like snuff films, but for horror. Um, except they're not really like it's not really happening, obviously. But but I looked and he was like, oh, I'm in this movie, Terrifier. He'd posted about it, and I looked at it and I was like, well, this villain looks pretty scary. Art the Clown is the name of the villain, and I was like, this is a pretty scary creation. This this clown, this like tall, angular, evil-looking clown, and I'm not somebody who has a fear of clowns. I know people who do, but like this. This is a whole nother level. This is like you don't have to fear clowns to fear this guy. I can't imagine if you do fear clowns how terrified you'd be of Art the Clown. But I watched it on Netflix as a sort of professional courtesy. Yeah, support the friend even though I'm sure he's not getting money for any of these views. But it's cool. He's in a, he's in a movie. It's on Netflix. And, and I watched it. And I was like, eh, this, this is okay. I'm not into like the super gore. And there's a, an, a very brutal, brutal hacksaw scene that anybody who's seen the movie knows about but overall it was fairly scary it did what horror movies like like and i i talked about this on a bonus episode of of the of the podcast on the patreon um it's the one on halloween movies if you either haven't listened to it or if you're interested in joining the patreon i I recommend you do um where it's like 80 percent of the battle of a horror movie is like creating an iconic villain and a lot of the time, the movie around it is kind of shit. <laughs> but that's the way to really build a horror franchise. Like, you can make a really creative, great movie, and maybe it'll succeed. And this year has had a lot of those. There's X, there's Pearl, Barbarian, Smile. Although Smile is maybe the the least creative of the two because it feels kind of like a copy of the movie It Follows. I liked it more than It Follows, even though It Follows is, like, super critically acclaimed. But... The point is, this has been a very good year for horror movies, but these movies have been less about the iconic villains and more about crafty sort of filmmaking and writing. But very good horror movies came out this year, like high, you know, highly rated horror movies. And the other path, though, is to create the iconic villain. And if you look at a Friday the 13th, uh, a Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm Street, better than I gave it credit for, the original. But it's really about, we'll make like an, a mediocre to bad movie, but if we have an iconic villain, we're, that's the name of the game. And Terrifier, my first impulse, my first, my first take on it, watching it, was like, this is a low-budget movie, so you have to give it some credit. And it wasn't terrible, and it was scary, and the villain is certainly iconic-level quality. <laughs> But I'm not like a huge gore fan. But so I was like, okay, I saw Terrifier. It's pretty, you know, I, I give it credit for what it is. Um, and then Terrifier 2 came out this year recently. And it's been this like under this cult hit that keeps making money. Like 
They say the movie costs 250 k to make. I got to be honest with you, after seeing Terrifier 2 last night, just in terms of the cast and the sets and the fact that it's like a two-hour movie, I was like, I, unless everybody fucking donated their time and their houses and shit, I don't know how they made that movie. For, like, if you told me that movie cost $900,000, I'd be like, wow, they did that on the cheap. Like, they, they really cut corners to make that big a movie for less than a million dollars. I think the 250 figure, and I don't mean to call anybody out as a liar, that feels like a branding choice. Like, that movie might have cost a million dollars, but it seems cooler to be like, it cost 250000 Look what we made. And now we're making like a 40 times profit. Because I think the movie's going to end up grossing before even selling to a streaming platform. I think it's going to end up grossing like $10 million or more. Because it was like around $7 million before this weekend. And obviously, there were a lot more shows of it around the country because of Halloween weekend. So it was in this kind of like... You know, not quite Rocky Horror Picture Show type release schedule, but, you know, like, oh, there's – it's out one night a week here. And then it's like for Halloween weekend, it was playing like all weekend at the theater in New Jersey. I go to it in several theaters in Manhattan. So I think it's probably going to cross the $10 million mark, whether it cost a million or 250000 That's obviously an, a hefty profit. Um, and so we went to see it. And before we went to see it, I didn't realize while re- we rewatched Terrifier 1. And when I rewatched I was like, it's better than I – better it's a better movie than i remember like the thing about it is for a low budget the acting talent was was not bad you know like i watched some of those movies from like from the 80s like hellraiser like this was a major movie in the theaters and the acting and writing is fucking garbage and that that became like a, a big franchise in horror like a lot of the acting in nightmare on elm street is flat out bad Night, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Ch- like Chucky. These are these are like movies with real budgets and real theatrical releases. Then they 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 they're not really that well executed. Um, and so, but then I saw in the description when we were doing it before we did the rewatch, it was like Art the Clown returns. And I was like, Art the Clown returns. I thought, but this was Terrifier One. Turns out he made his debut in another film by the director, I think is Damien Leone. I think he sounds like he's like an Italian from Queens because they had like a behind the scenes thing after the movie last night. Um, Long Island or Queens um, is is what I picked up. Maybe Brooklyn. I always forget. Like just somewhere, somewhere on the Long Island Railroad (laughs) Um, from Barclays to Long Island. He gets off. Um, But. He did this movie All Hallows Eve which is about like a babysitter who one of the kids she's babysitting gets a tape in her in his trick-or-treat bag and it turns out to be like this deeply disturbing horror movie. And that's where we get introduced to Art the Clown. And it's a more artistic and there's some really weird shit in the movie. And it's got gore and stuff, of course, but it introduces you to Art the Clown, um, who was played by a different actor in that. They kind of upgrade the makeup and I guess the actor for the, for the for Terrifier. I don't know what happened. Maybe the guy passed away. Who knows what happened in the original one. But the guy in Terrifier and Terrifier 2 is not listed, I think, as the original, if I'm not mistaken. But once again, it was like a movie where I'm going, the acting's pretty solid in this. It's not great, but it's like it's a low-budget indie horror slasher film that is like on many levels better than kind of your hit 80s horror movies, which was kind of weird. Um, I don't think it's great, but it was like, okay, but um, if, if Terrifier 2 was 250K, then Al Halazeev was what? Like one of these El Mariachi $7,000 type movies. But we watched that, then we watched Terrifier, and I was going, 
okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of ready for Terrifier 2, even though I don't like the gore. I kind of respect the artistry and the work on these shoestring budgets. And and once again, if you're going to watch bad 80s movies because they have iconic villains, why not watch a decent slasher movie with an iconic villain? So we go see Terrifier 2 in the theater. Now, it was a rough experience. There was a family sitting behind us that had like a 12-year-old or 13-year-old kid. And I was like, according to the movie theater rules, this kid's not even supposed to be in the movie. But okay, if parents want to, you know, take their kids to... uh, And we went to P.F. Chang's before. Um, because I'm, uh, you know, I'm very deep into Asian culture right now. We went to P.F. Chang's uh, before uh, the movie and uh, just saw a couple sitting there with their, like, I don't know, five-year-old daughter just on a screen. And I was just like, we're done. It got me on one of my rants of like, you know, you're out at dinner and I've seen this so much. It's like... I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine a parent believing that their main task is to like have a kid and then just distract the kid from social interactions, from conversations, from family dinners. Um, it's just weird. And I, I, I said to the righteous girlfriend, I said, I, I can't speak on this specific case. Who knows? Maybe the daughter has uh, issues maybe she's special needs and it didn't seem that way but i don't want to i don't want to just assume everybody's like quote unquote normal and just doing bad job parenting but i was watching them and i go i don't know she just seems she seems like a normal five-year-old and the thing is if i'm wrong on this case i'm not wrong on all the cases that i walk by whether it's in chipotle or a restaurant or wherever where or a stroller where it's just like just shut up kid please hypnotize yourself with this screen and it's one of those things you want to you want to tell people, you know, there was once a time in human history, um, you know, beginning of man until 2013, where parents used books and discipline and conversation and teaching to get kids to not misbehave. They didn't hypnotize them with screens, which, as we all know, are bad for us, because if it can turn adults into addicts and teenagers into rude assholes, it can turn a five-year-old into a fucking idiot also. But that's just me being grumpy old man who has to live in a world that's increasingly going downhill and we're aiding it through uh, technology, which we think is special and awesome but is actually really bad um, for us. And like I've always said, after watching the uh, A&E, I think it was an A&E series on, on the Unabomber, like a dramatization with Paul Bettany and Sam Worthington, great series. It might be on Netflix um, the Unabomber miniseries. But after watching that, because the Unabomber was like many of those things in the 80s that I was like aware of, but did, in 90s, excuse me, that I was aware of, but didn't read anything about because I was like a high school student. So I was like, I do my homework, I play video games, I play sports, and I go to sleep. But I heard about Dahmer, I heard about OJ, I heard about the Unabomber and the Menendez brothers, and now all these true crime series are like, oh, so that's what actually fucking happened. I was aware of it, but I just never read any of the details because I didn't really dig into the paper at 15 before going to school. Um, Not a good thing, not a bad thing, I don't think, but it was just like if I caught news while my parents were watching it, that's how I got the news, Um, which is still probably better than being manipulated by social media with like curated news in many ways, but whatever. Um fuck was I talking about? Terrifier. But was I, I had like a finishing point for the social media thing. Anyway, we're doomed, everybody. That's the thesis of this episode. But Terrifier 2. We go see Terrifier 2 uh, after P.F. Chang's. I'm sitting there with my popcorn and my peanut M&M's and my bottle of water. 
diet starts today. Had my green tea and walnut, uh, green tea, walnuts, and dark chocolate before the episode. That's why I'm fired up, fired up, and ready to go. That was my uh, dusty Obama impression uh, from 08. Uh, so we sit down for Terrifier 2. We see a family sitting behind us. Seems inappropriate. Then, like, you know, a dozen kind of teenagers, I guess. Every teenager looks young. Um, you know, there was one Asian in the group that was like, oh, she's kind of hot. But, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. God, please be 18. Uh, but I think she was probably like 16. But, you know, facts are facts. She, was, she, was, she looked all right. Is that creepy? That's not me being – I was there with the righteous girlfriend. I'm just – I felt like I needed to be fully honest. I was like, it was a bunch of annoying teenagers. Although, one, one uh, if she shows up to a show in a couple of years, I might have to Dane Cook her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they were super fucking annoying. They, I think some of them were vaping. They talked throughout the movie. Um, I observed at least four people who were texting a lot during the movie. And I was like, is this not captivating you? Is like a frightening – scary in theater slasher movie not enough to keep your attention for just an hour and 45 minutes it's just it's fucking crazy what we're doing with tech but uh the movie was solid i'm not into the sla- i'm just not into the super gore i kind of like i said i didn't it's a weird thing to say i didn't see the movie for the super gore but i i you know i know it's coming but it was good, and I just don't believe it was made for a quarter of a million dollars. I feel like that's like when comics who have agents and managers go, I self-released this special, I'm doing it myself. It's like, yeah, 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 the people at William Morris and Gersh and everybody else didn't help with that. Great, good for you. You're a real fucking Horatio Alger story. But it's just hard to believe that this movie was made for $250,000. I'm like, the guy who plays Art the Clown has to command some kind of salary unless he's taking points, but he has to get some pay. The lead actress... Uh, Italian name I man is she uh I don't know if she uh, she might be a star in the making I think she gave a good performance but it's a very it was like she was doing like a white girl woman king in this movie uh very like almost looks like a former gymnast very like toned without being like bodybuilder jacked but like very toned for like probably like a 22 year old or some shit um, and for half the movie, she was wearing like a custom made, like Halloween gladiator costume. Uh, you know, she was walking that perfect line of badass heroine and she's of age, right? Cause she looks damn. Okay, good. Yeah. She's definitely not actually a teenager, right? She's what? 24. Okay, perfect. So yeah, it's not crazy. And there's a lot of just like not nude bosom but a lot of just random like the principal of the school is on on screen at one moment and just kind of like puts her suit jacket out and hands on the hip to show authority but then i was like oh no that was like an 80s homage like the principal has big tits and we're just gonna give you a little show of them not not no nudity but just like hey don't forget while you're coming down from that fright we also want to get your fuck impulse going so Oh, right. like I feel like it's almost there to keep your 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 senses heightened. It's like, were you just scared? Okay, you don't have to be scared anymore because here's a giant pair of breasts. Oh, okay, good. And then you're back to scared. But here's your heroine dressed like a super hot young fit gladiator woman. Okay, so I'm not scared right now, but I'm still I'm still I'm still excited. And I don't know if that's like 
homage, like a cheesy homage to 80s movies, or if it's like a psychological choice to be like, I just want everybody's heart to keep racing. So if you're, I want you to be attracted to this woman, and then I want you scared. And then when you're coming off of like being disgusted, I want you scared again, and then I'm going to show you the busty principle. And then we're going to cut to a scary scene again. Like, I don't know if that's the purpose psychologically. So I'm, I'm probably giving too much credit. It was probably just a cheesy like, horror fans also like boobs. But I also just was examining it from like a, or is it a psychological choice as well to just keep people kind of constantly motivated? But the, let me look up the names here. I normally don't do this because I, I don't care about putting on an accurate or pop, pop quality product, but Terrifier cast, Terrifier 2 cast. Victor, oh, Victoria came up. That's her name. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, no, no. Her name's not. Oh, Victoria's from the first one. Okay. Yeah, and Chris Jericho is in the movie. The, the WWF wrestler, he, if you listen to his voice, he kind of sounds like uh, Jack Black. But he's in the movie. And I'm like, even if it's a cameo, like maybe he was a fan of Terrifier and he did camp. But he's still, like SAG, you still have to get paid. And great call by me. The kid, this was filmed, I think, a couple of years ago. But the kid from... Daniel LaRusso's son from Cobra Kai. I said, is that the kid from Cobra Kai? And it was. Um, And by the way, Cobra Kai, sidebar, we actually stopped watching season five. We made it seven episodes. We both kind of wanted to quit after three or four. I've said it before. The seasons one and two of Cobra Kai are awesome. Season three stinks. Season four felt like a comeback. Season five is an atro- is atrocious. It's fucking atrocious, and I I mean that with no disrespect to several of the the adult actors, the, the the people who do a good job on the show, as far as I'm concerned. William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence should have been nominated for best lead actor in a comedy for season one of Cobra Kai, but it was on YouTube and nobody cared. Um, uh, Ralph Macchio's fine. Um, I forget the guy. Yo, is it Joe Joe Yosef or Jose? Josin, whatever the the guy from Karate Kid Two, who's like his friend and and like bodyguard in this one, he's good. But for the most part, the kids are irritating. It's like Disney kids level shit. Um, the other adults, like the person who plays Larusso's wife, there's a scene in a bar in their hometown, and they like run after the bar fight, but they run like shuffling their feet, and I'm like. Did nobody say like run for real? Like you're running like it's a Disney kids show. It's fucking weird and bad. But season five of, of Cobra Kai is, is bordering on unwatchable. And that's why we stopped watching it. It's fucking atrocious. I'm so disappointed because I thought season four kind of yielded a little bit of a comeback. But my God, season five is, a f- is fucking horrible. And I'm saying this, guys, this isn't me being a hater. I made it to season five. I gave them season three. I said, well, I'll watch season four Maybe season three was an aberration, and it kind of was. Season four was definitely much better than season three. One and two are great, but season five is like, I can't watch this anymore level bad. So, quick Cobra Kai sidebar. Okay, so her name is Lauren Lavera. Yes. Um, uh, How old is she? She's 5'5", good height. Um, What I was thinking of doing is actually doing a fucking like TikTok video for content, uh, a TikTok video of um, me as like a fake sports announcer, like doing a horror draft and doing like a, like an art, the clown breakdown, like a, like an art, the clown 
draft analysis, but I don't have all the graphics and shit ability to make it like a real. I would just be doing like me in a suit and tie, like talking with a background picture of Art the Clown. Um, I think that could be kind of funny, but, uh, you know, I don't know if I have the willpower or the time or, or give a shit enough, but yeah, maybe Lauren Lavera. Um, please don't be in an appropriate age, please, please. Oh, she was in iron fist. That was terrible, but good. She's been getting some work, but man, yeah. And this gladiator costume, this is, she is, she is a like, she is a fit looking like I, she looks to me like she was like on the U S gymnastics team. And then, um, all of us, Oh, okay. Now this is her bio. So you don't know if it's like legit. When I say legit, like she might've put this in as like her bio to get cast, but Lauren Levera is an five, five said that already. Good height. Lauren Levera is an actress known for Terrifier 2, Marvel's Iron Fist, Dispatches from Elsewhere, and Christmas Romance Al Dente. But Terrifier 2 is like she's the coast, like she's one of the two stars of the movie. So it's a big, big opportunity, especially if it's, you know, making a little bit of money. Aside from her acting career, Lauren has 19 plus years experience. So, oh, she might be old. She might be right. She might be totes approps, as I like to say when it comes to, uh, age age appropriate dating totes approps um i just made that up and i wish i hadn't said it twice but that's what you do when you're insecure about a joke you're like i'm so happy i said that i'm gonna say it again just to hammer it home even though i'm diluting the funniness of it totes approps um 19 years experience in martial arts including taekwondo jujitsu ken Kamehameha, whatever the fuck that is wushu and muay thai as well as studied boxing, kickboxing, weapon, and firearms training. Lauren also is trained in ballroom, dance, and ballet. She is fluent in Italian. And guess who's not biracial anymore, guys? I've been lying the whole time. I'm actually Italian. My name is Gianluigi Covini. Hey, Lauren Lavera, you want to do kickboxing on top of my face, huh? <laughs> Was that offensive to her? Don't tell her I said that, okay? Because she, she seems pretty... If she's fluent in Italian and dancing, she's, she's probably very proud of her Italian heritage. I hope she's not racist. Please don't be a fucking racist Italian, Lauren. Oh, and it's such an easy transition. The Righteous Girlfriend's name is Laura. So I dated a Lori in the past. So I need to finish out the trilogy. A Lauren would be would be a perfect end to my dating life. <laughs> Um, come on, give me an age. Or is she hiding her age because she's older? Oh, that'd be great if she's like, I don't want people to know I'm 31. I want people to think I'm like a young, hot thing. And it's like, well, to this 43-year-old piece of shit, you are a young, hot thing. Um, Lauren Lavera, we are stalking you. Then we'll finish our review. That rhymed. <laughs> How old are you, woman? Oh, 41K followers on Instagram. Okay, so I could do a little Twitter flex on her. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had that many on Instagram. I'm more of a dominator on uh, on Twitter, babe. Uh, we could, like, combine our social media forces. Uh, please, now that I'm saying all this, it's going to be, she's 18. She's been practicing Muay Thai since the womb. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, age, I got to put in. It's creepy. I got to put in the age. Now they, God damn it. Uh, what? Oh my god. Oh my god, are you kidding me? This is amazing. What the f Guys, I know you're like this first of all, she's a Taurus 
and she's a Christian, so yeah, she's probably Catholic, Italian. Oh boy. Guys, this is fucking crazy. This is fucking nuts. She's born four days after me, okay? For, like per birthday is four days after me. So we could just, you know, go to an island for the week. So that's awesome. Now that birthday is the same birthday as an ex of mine, which would be a very bad reminder. Okay, Diamond Maker, look it up. Second album, that's what I'm talking about. But this is stunning. Now I knew, like I said, I thought, oh, she's in her like early 30s. You know, she's playing a fucking high I mean, she's playing a high school. And I said, this chick is not in high school. Or if she's maybe college. They never really kind of did. I, maybe she's playing college, but I think she was playing high school. She's playing a high school student. She's 44. She's 44 fucking years old. <laughs> she's fit as fuck. She's Italian. She's a Taurus. She's a church. Well, she labels Christian. If she's listening, she's she's 44. I'm sitting here going, I hope she's not like inappropriate. She's 40 fucking four. I was, I thought she's probably like 31 playing like an 18 year old, which is weird enough, but she's 44. And I think that's even more impressive. I thought she was like a 25 year old ex gymnast who stays in shape. She's 44. I'm actually making the pinched fingers with right now. I'm becoming Italian as I talk about us. I've dated a Lori. I'm dating a Laura. It might be time to finish the trilogy. When Terrifier 3 comes out, maybe Lore 3 comes out and it's Lauren Lavera, the 44-year-old youthful. That's incredible. Where am I going to go? Do I even need to finish the review of this movie? That's incredible. I can't. I, I don't believe it. Like, that's the fucking thing. I don't I, I don't actually believe it. Like, no wonder, to be honest, no wonder she's not putting her age because it's, like, stunning. She's a, she's a, this is a weird website, to be honest. Uh, her shoe size is an eight. Her dress size is a four. Uh, there she is training. She looks phenomenal, but in, like, a classy way. She could kick my ass, which is, like, a, Kind of a turn. I mean, I've never had that happen. That's kind of a turn on. Um, she's currently working as a lead in a horror thriller movie called The Fetus. <laughs> um, guys, she did all her stunts. She did the majority of the stunts herself in Terrifier too. Um, this took a this podcast took a sudden turn i hope you're still learning because this is this is crazy she's 44 like now i feel it's it's almost we like it it's like a reverse weird where i was like oh god i hope i'm not being inappropriate and she's like you're younger than me you fucking loser <laughs> yeah but i have more twitter followers if we combine our social media you know during a nice Catholic wedding ceremony. We just exchange vows and social media followers, and just uh, you know, let's uh, let's see what happens. So Lauren Lavera, oh boy, what a! What, I feel so I feel so good now. I feel like I just I just got like a like a boost of some chemical that makes you feel good. That green tea and dark chocolate really kicking in. So Lauren Lavera, 
Wowzy, wowzy, wow, 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 to quote Borat. Um, that is, uh, I, 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 but let's get back to the movie real quick now that I've uh, found, you know, the, the, the next, uh, I mean, if she takes my last name, she could be Lauren Lavera Covan, LLC. It's like a law firm. Look at that. I mean, I'm not drawing stupid conclusions here. Am I? I mean, it's it's kind of creep. Like, it's kind of creepy how much it's it's clearly meant to be. Um, LLC. Boy, oh boy, I might have to endure another viewing of Terrifier too, just to just so when I go out to LA, I can be like, hey, a big fan of yours. Maybe you know my work, Trump. <laughs> Um, she's like, and then she goes, um, oh, do you know Sarah Cooper? And I go, you know what? You just, you, you, I didn't think you could ruin this. You just ruined it. Good luck with your growing career and sick body at 44. You, uh, Cooper Stan. Okay. Bye. Anyway, guys, terrifier too. Very gory. Too much. Like, they were really trying to go extra with it, obviously, and seeing it on a big screen is, is rather intimidating. I liked the movie for the most part and was impressed by it as I've been with the other parts. I think most of the acting was good. The villain is still just a fucking superstar horror villain. And Lauren Lavera, now I feel biased. Now I feel like you guys can't trust what I'm saying. But Lauren Lavera, Covan. Uh, you know, parentheses, just to, you know, she doesn't have to go by that as her, as her staff. I wouldn't want to, like, intrude on her stage name. But, you know, in, you know, when people send us invites to events, it'll say, you know, Jean-Louis Covin, Lauren Lavera, hyphen Covin. Um, she is, there's a little bit of, like, a Marvel element to the last, like, 20 minutes, which I didn't like. Like, I know villains often have this kind of supernatural evil in them, but there is this kind of element where she becomes almost like a superhero, which I did, who am I to say, but it didn't feel completely in place to me. It, it felt out of place in the movie, um, but it establishes her as now the clear heroine Um of the of the franchise and i've heard there's going to be a terrifier 3 and they set up a terrifier 3 with a horrific birth scene at the end of the movie but it's you know let me say this first and foremost the gore in these movies is so extreme that like if you're not into horror movies at all do not watch these if you are a little squeamish at horror movies but you like them maybe you give it a try that was that's sort of me i'm not into gore and and stuff but i was like but i I watched the first one to support, you know, a, a colleague, a, a sketch, a sketch performer of mine. And it was, a, you know, it's a cool thing to be able to support that. Um, and then I just saw Terrifier 2 because I was like, well, you know, now everybody's getting on this Terrifier train and I was there before. But I mean, now I got like a different purpose to my Terrifier franchise fandom. 44. She's Obama's number. I'm Obama's racial composition. Am I drawing too many conclusions here? Like, is this, is my special? Am I going to get an Instagram post when half blackface comes out? You know, like, let it be, oh, Amazon Prime bought half blackface. And when you scroll Amazon Prime under new and noteworthy, it says half blackface. And next to it is Terrifier 2. 
And maybe somewhere, like an, like an American tale with Fievel, a movie that the righteous girlfriend hates. So I think it's, it's telling that I'm using this as the example to, to indicate a possible Lavera Covan betrothal. We're like staring up instead of at the same stars. Somewhere out there, an actress who's way older than she looks sees my special next to her movie and decides to have her publicist call me. <laughs> um, this episode is dedicated to Lauren Lavera and all the people who made Terrifier 2. Um, it's, if you're not squeamish, I think it's an interesting series of films. I've now seen like the whole trilogy, and for obvious new reasons, I rank Terrifier 2 as my favorite. But if she is a Cooper stan, I like Terrifier 1 better. But let's just all hope, hey, now I got a, I got a mission. I'm going to be like, I want you to sell my special to whatever platform is going to buy Terrifier 2. And then we make this happen. So... Thank you for listening, guys. Um, this has been a, a real journey on this episode. I mean, I hope you made it to the end because this was what a what a journey. What an awesome episode. I started pessimistic about democracy, but I'm now hopeful about a, a future life with a with an Italian American stunt woman. Uh, you know, it's a sunny day here in Bloomfield, New Jersey now. And uh, I'm going to go out there and hopefully not get murdered by Art the Clown. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a happy Halloween. Have a happy whatever. Hope to see you at some live shows. Please give the show five stars on Apple. And God, give the give the Patreon a chance, okay? Especially if your name is Lauren Lavera. Give the Patreon a chance. Um, you know, it's Christmas season. I don't do this like tip me or support me. But like, if you're feeling generous to your your ninth favorite comedian in the world, then then join the Patreon. Get get binge on it. Listen to some of the bonus episodes. Check out Mike Pence Gaming, the Mike Pence Gaming series, the Mitch McConnell Cooking series, the Andrew Cuomo podcast. A um, lot of good stuff in there. So thank you in advance, um, and uh, I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>